Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros, of course. I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazley Lambray, joined as always by my brother, my partner, Nando Vila on the west side of Los Angeles. What's going on, brother man? Not much, dude. Just, uh, you know, enjoying the sunshine out here. It's getting hot. It's getting hot in here. It's getting hot in here. And it's getting hot in the revolving door, Nando. <laughs> uh, it was announced just today, uh, or yesterday, sorry, that Tom Perez, former labor secretary of one Barack Obama, has joined a union-busting law firm specifically to bust unions. Uh, we're going to get into that towards the end of the show. The Dems have had their hair on fire basically since January 6th and insurrection, and they're depressing the vote and blah, blah, blah. Like The rhetoric has been kind of dire. Uh, but yet they remain complacent on the policy side and people like Joe Manchin, my man Chuck Pierce has gone to calling him Neville Chamberlain. It's gotten so bad. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so uh, we're going to get into the Democratic Party's complacency on the topic. But first, man, you know, President Joe Biden visited Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Greenwood area where the Oklahoma massacre, genocide, act of terrorism, state-sponsored at that, happened back in 1921. Um, you know, it's important that we acknowledge American history and all the horrible things that have happened to Black people, Indigenous people, Japanese internment. We got to keep all of that in the forefront because it's real and it matters. Uh, and he used the opportunity 
to announce a plan to, I guess it's a plan to invest in black business. Um, I got this from BET.com. It says the White House um, has announced a plan to invest billions in order to support black and minority owned small businesses. They did this on Tuesday. Uh, the Small Business Administration in initiatives will, quote, reduce barriers to small business ownership and success, according to a statement by the administration. The program will feature a number of platforms to offer economic support to businesses, which will address racial discrimination in the housing market, increase federal contracting with small businesses by 50 percent. It will also place focus on the American Jobs Plan by proposing a $10 billion community revitalization fund, Nando. Supply 15 mm. billion in new grants toward building the nation's infrastructure and 31 billion for small business programs to increase capital in small businesses. Uh, and this is from the White House. This is a quote directly from the White House. These initiatives will increase access to capital by establishing a new direct loan program for the smallest businesses, developing new loan products to support small manufacturers and businesses that invest in clean energy, and launching a new small business investment corporation that will make early stage equity investment in small businesses with priority for those owned by socially and economically disadvantaged individuals. Um, and finally, it says the American Jobs Plan will also invest billions of dollars in SBA technical assistance programs that incubate and offer mentoring and technical assistance to 8A firms, reinforce the American subcontracting network to create pathways. All right, so Nando, they, they didn't really present any like sort of information as to why they know this these programs have been are going to be targeted enough that enough black small business entrepreneur types are going to get it. It just sounds good, I guess. Yeah. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on this, man? This is the problem with a lot of the policy prescriptions that liberals and specifically the Democratic Party in America come up to come up with for any problem. I mean, the, the, if you when you think about like something like climate change, for example, it sounds a lot like what they are just proposing now for to improve the lives of black people in the United States, like, you know, federal loan guarantees for like new alternative energy development, <laughs> basically like finding a capitalist solution to this mm -hmm. problem. And that is just never really going to work. I mean, it might help out some black small business owners, but like small business owners can become some of the biggest tyrants in the universe, no matter whether they're black, brown, hmm. white, or, or green. Um, they usually are some of the most reactionary people on the planet. And that's, that's true across societies. I mean, because they are directly overseeing, you know, the employment of like a small group of people that they have to lord over and extract value from. So they become very tyrannical in some ways. Um, but whether that's going to help like the vast majority of black people in this country? Not. No, absolutely not. And I think it's interesting that there's this kind of um, memory, a recovered memory of the Tulsa massacre. I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the Watchmen the movie. show. And yeah, 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 yeah. And LeBron produced a movie. Yep. Yeah. Like there's been a kind of um, revitalization of that. And what it tells me, I mean, outside of like the the obvious horrific crime uh, that it was this kind of like, you know, racist mob, just like murdering black people. Willie, you know what? It, the other side of it that it tells you is that like. 
racial progress in this country is not linear. And there is this feeling that we we have now, and it's very common for a lot of the problems that America faces today, where we assume that progress has been linear, you know, kind of 45 degrees, just kind of things get better over time. And the, the reality is that things get better and worse at the same time. And it's like hard to determine whether it nets out in any way, like how it nets out. For example, if you look at um, the African-American population in the United States, it is true that we have passed, we passed civil rights in the 1960s, which gave black people full political rights in the United States. But it is not clear that the average life of the average black person is better now than it was, say, in 1959, when as a result of the New Deal, there was a huge amount of growth in the United States. There was a huge amount of investment in social services. There was a you know, there was this just kind of revitalization of the economic structures of America that democratized them dramatically. Large labor unions, which tons of black people um, um, joined. There was this sense that you could be like that you could enter a sort of stable middle class life back then, even though you were suffering kind of from um, racial segregation. And in certain, especially in the South, you had fewer political rights than you do now. But now um, when black people have full political rights and in the culture, it is not it is not acceptable to, you know, basically be racist (laughs) anymore. Um, But the material conditions of the average black person have not are not necessarily better than they were and so just look at things like Tulsa in which there was these thriving communities of black you know you know businesses and culture and and um you know this this neighborhoods that were very well off and growing and vibrant. I mean, I, I think a lot about like uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X movie. And, you know, when, when him and, and Malcolm are, are him and Denzel are like young and, uh, you know, walking through these, like these kind of like post-war neighborhoods that were thriving, you know, because yeah. of the economic boom caused by uh, the, the recovery from the war and the new deal. Um, and, and then you think about like black neighborhoods in the 1980s or the 1990s, you know, the crack epidemic, um, you know, neoliberalism, the, the, the collapse of manufacturing, uh, the, the lack of unionized jobs, you know, it's not necessarily that their lives are better, even though the political rights um, have been improved. Right. So that that the, the Democrats are taking all the wrong lessons, I think, from something like the Tulsa thing in which they see all these black businesses and they're like, instead of doing a new New Deal, you know, a new version of the New Deal that is more expansive, it's greener, it's more inclusive, right. all, all the stuff <laughs> you want to do. They're just doing some more fucking capitalist bullshit, you know, like, oh, you know, is, if, if only there were more black businesses. And like, that's just not that's not really yeah. going to change anything. To me, what would be smarter would be a universal program that ensures that black people get to take part in it. Right. This sort of micro targeting of black people who can start solar and wind energy companies like I, like yeah. I, it, it just like the idea that that's how black citizens are going to lift themselves out of the problems that that we face is we're all going to become you know many entrepreneurs in the the green economy i i i, I that just doesn't seem like no that's how that would work because that's generally not how capitalism works some big company's going to come in and if that sector is one that makes money extracts money some big company is going to come in and take over it. It's not going to be because there are all these small, thriving, black and brown, whatever businesses 
behind it. Uh, and, you know, a part of me doesn't want to hate on the sentiment because, you know, the funny thing yeah. is, too, is that this is something that you hear amongst the black bourgeoisie set a lot. We need to start our own businesses. It's about ownership. Yeah. It's about this, blah, 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 blah. And like, yes, we want to own businesses, but like everybody in your neighborhood can't own a business in the neighborhood, right? Yeah, Some of someone's got to work for them. <laughs> right. Someone, someone's got to work for them. Some of those people have to have jobs outside of the neighborhood that allows for them to spend money at those businesses. It doesn't work like that. It can't, a, a, a community can't all be... Um, little fiefdoms of entrepreneurs like it doesn't work like that now you know please explain to me how you're going to put a bunch of black people in dope jobs you know are those infrastructure and those green economy jobs are they going to be unionized will these people have pensions etc cetera, etc cetera. will it be competitive pay yeah okay yeah now you're talking to me like yeah. those jobs are absolutely going to be you know, the infrastructure jobs where they're building new roads and bridges and tunnels, et cetera, et cetera. If you explain to me you're going to target them in areas where black people live, are heavily populated, and they're going to be the ones that get the jobs and get the training and get the all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You put very well-paying jobs in communities where black people live, of course. And I know there's going to be black people listening to this like, oh, come on, man. We got to build our own businesses. We got we to gotta do like the Jews. Black people love saying that, by the way. <laughs> I'm just telling you. We got I'm telling you. This is, I'm not making this up. We got to do like the Jews. A, a Jewish dollar circulates for 20,000 years before it leaves the Jewish community. All of these terrible anti-Semitic rumors. But it's what you hear. People say, yeah, like for because because for many people, black people, the Jews are absolutely aspirational people. Like they came here, they were fucking poor when they came to America, and they made a way for themselves. Never mind the fact that Jews get to pass, whatever. Jews get to be white, you know, the major, major difference, guys. But you know, it's often what you hear. It's a, it's about this sort of um aspirational entrepreneurial sort of salvation that a lot of black people think. And it doesn't surprise me that, you know, the administration has Kamala freaking Harris on, on the staff mm -hmm. and, and, and in the administration and how, you know, she's firmly entrenched within the black bourgeoisie. So it doesn't surprise me that this is something they think that would get black people excited because it does get the right black people excited, honestly, yeah. to hear something like this. Listen, not everyone can be an entrepreneur. Not everyone can be, you know, not everyone has that kind of thing. I don't know how to explain it. You know, yeah. that's the that's the problem with the the democratic and liberal obsession with entrepreneurship. Like entrepreneurship affects what? Like a one percent of the population. You know, <laughs> how many people are out there? Like you know, starting businesses. Like it's it's just it's even in the best in the best case scenario where right. like there weren't any of you know say we eliminated racism say we eliminate like even in that base ca best case scenario there's still be like a just a tiny fraction of the population that's entrepreneurs and then everyone else has to work for them you know so i like to focus on the people who work for them not the entrepreneurs in any policy whether it's green <laughs> policy uh, anti-racist policy or anything you know focus on the vast majority of people who actually have to work for a living not the ones who uh, get to start businesses even with some sort of you know, small small business federal loan grant, whatever the fuck. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's um, 
it's just the, the liberal it's just some democrat shit as we were joking about before yeah it's it's, it's, it's the dems it's it's like this hyper focused hyper targeted i don't know whatever I, you know hopefully count the dings gets to check because since it's partially black owned um they should, they should apply <laughs> <laughs> they should apply <laughs> um so we move on to another thing that is typically democratic um this whole fire, their hair being on fire about January 6th, and then the DOJ comes out and says, we're not prosecuting Trump or anybody for it. We're just going to get some of the people that were involved. Okay. Biden's DOJ. Okay. So I guess it wasn't that big of a deal, which is fine. Just shut the fuck up about it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, And then, of course, there's all the stuff with the John Lewis bill. You yeah. know, and everybody's like, well, we can't ruin the like democracy is 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 coming to an end, but we can't ruin democracy by getting rid of the filibuster, not even if it's in service of saving the democracy. And it's just like these fucking assholes are talking themselves in the circles, but yet want yeah. us to believe that this is stuff that they actually care about. And you know, again, I want to say this very clearly. The Republicans didn't, they didn't, you know, litigate the merits of getting Kavanaugh and Comey Barrett in there. They just packed the court. They said, we're packing it. I don't care. They're in. We don't care what you think the merits are. Like, they're in. They're doing, they have the power. No, we we don't argue with you. We we have the courage of our conviction. Fuck you guys. They want to pass record-setting tax cuts. It's done. We don't do a public debate. We don't do, oh, but the filibuster. Oh, but did we reach across the aisle? Oh, but they do it. They get in power and they do the shit that they get in power to do. So what do Democrats do when they get in power? What, what, are you, what have you been in power to do? Allegedly, Joe Biden got in power to help us, to help the American people with jobs, et cetera, et cetera. What, what are y'all doing? What are they doing, yeah. Mando? Well, it's just, it's so infuriating because they, like you said, they're hysterical about the January 6th thing. And they're like this, you know, unprecedented assault on our democracy. They, I can't believe that they would um, not certify the results uh, of the election that, you know, Joe Biden won fair and square, like forgetting the fact that in 2000, they stole an election, you know, and like the Democrats just moved on with their lives. Um, you know, like they, they, they stole that election in 2000, like straight up. Like, I don't know how to explain it. They fucking stole it. And the Democrats are just like, so now they're like, okay, this is an unprecedented thing, even though it's fully precedented. But okay, fine. It's an unprecedented thing. And they're just like losing their absolute, their minds over this January 6th thing, like trying to do some sort of like truth and reconciliation commission in Congress and like trying to get Republicans on board to join uh, you know, this kind of like ni- uh, 9-11 commission style uh, inquiry into the January 6th thing. And, you know, meanwhile, Republicans are like laughing in their faces. And according to uh, a, an article by Luke Savage in The Atlantic, he writes, as of March 24th, researchers at the Brennan Center for Justice had logged some 361 bills containing provision provisions that seek to restrict voting, a 43% increase from about the same time in February. So meanwhile, while the Democrats are like losing their, their shit over this, the Republicans are being strategic and they're f- putting forth 361 bills at the state <laughs> level to restrict the vote, the franchise. 
the Democrats could counteract that. They could. They they have the numbers in the Senate to pass an expansive voting rights bill, which is already on the books, the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Bill and, and HR1, which would really revolutionize voting in this country. I mean, it would create like a national uh, automatic national voter registration, like greatly expand, um, you know, mail-in ballots, a, a million things that would prevent all of these Republican efforts, which are well-funded and strategic to basically ensure minoritarian rule in this country forever. They could do it. They really could do it tomorrow if they wanted to. <laughs> but they're dilly-dallying um, over the filibuster, over the thing, over whatever. And it's like, you can't have it both ways. You can't spend your freaking life with your hair on fire um, talking about the big bad Republicans and like this um, unprecedented threat to democracy. And, you know, the January 6th, like the greatest attack on our democracy since mm -hmm. the Civil War, uh, even though it's like clearly not. I mean just but whatever that's that's not even that's beside the point while at the same time not doing anything to stop it like not doing anything to stop these supposed unprecedented threats to democracy that's just that's what drives me crazy about them it's like that's what it drives that's what drives most people crazy about liberals is that they're constantly freaking out yet they don't do anything they just don't do anything like you said they don't have the power of their convictions when they when they achieve power they're desperately begging Republicans to join them on shit, even though the Republicans like would never, ever, ever join them on anything. So this idea that they're going to reach across the aisle, um, they're going to negotiate the, with the Republicans, that blah, 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 blah. It's all just fantasy land shit. It's <laughs> fantasy land. Like it's never going to happen. So just forget about it and just do your thing. Just exercise power. Um, but they don't know how to do that. And, and the midterms are coming up next year. Yeah. Next year. So, uh, guys, the, the time is of the essence. Like, you're not, this, you're probably losing the Senate. Some people think you're losing a damn house. So, the time to get something done is, is now. now. Is now. Or else this thing is over and Biden's just going to be handcuffed for the rest of his administration and do whatever punk ass executive orders he can. And that'll be that. That'll be the legacy of this thing. Pass fucking inf infrastructure, pass the PRO Act, pass the damn John, John Lewis bill, get reelected again in 2024. Uh, it's it's really that freaking simple. Um, yeah. And 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 anything short, like literally anything short of that, is going to be death. It's going yeah. to be death. Um, yeah. And so again, we got to pray that another crisis doesn't hit. We got to help some people, and we got to move the fuck on because we haven't brought up um, this segment in a long time. But it's a little segment I affectionately called Barry's administration was kind of dickheaded ish. <laughs> <laughs> kind of douchey, kind of sucked. Like, you know, it's five years later. Um, it's been 13 years since 2008 when he got elected. Yeah. As Ta-Nehisi Coates says, we were eight years in power. Were we? <laughs> I don't know what we, I don't know what we you're talking about. Yes, Nando, we were eight years in power, which we, um... I mean, Coates is kind of firmly entrenched in the elites now, so I guess maybe he was talking about the elites, but I don't think that's what he meant. I'm pretty sure he meant black no. people. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the problem with that is Barack Obama, man, his administration, vultures. And I guess people say that's kind of the, the point of 
public service is to one day cash out in the private sector. Um, but it just feels like that's not what it used to be. It used to be about service, you know, right. like you just want to help people. You just want to do your part to fucking help society. To help society. Like, <laughs> not just a stepping stone to get rich. I don't know. Like that's <laughs> people used to actually pretend that that was a thing, you know, right. that there was some cer- a certain thing is like, you know, a higher calling to, to serve, to, you know, serve others. No, it's like, it's, it's just, now it's just completely obvious that it's just, oh, I'm going to do this for three years and then I'll just get paid millions of dollars by the most evil people on the planet to then, turn around and use my connections to help them make more money. Yeah. And so, you know, we said at the top of the show, Tom Perez, former labor secretary in the Obama administration, former chairman of the DNC. Uh, You know, this guy is, he's a Democratic Party insider by any measure of the word. He just took a job at, what's the name of this company? Um, uh, it's called um, Venable LLP. Venable LLP. Uh, it's basically a company with a bunch of lawyers who help corporations union bust. Yeah, help corporations stay non-union. Now, you know, whatever the Tom Perez thing is like, it's doubly disgusting because he worked in labor. the labor secretary he was the labor secretary and he's now union busting like that's 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 just disgusting but you know the story the story that we that that we that you share with me nando goes on the name a few of these cats you know david pluff uh you know a bunch of the, the dude from amazon like a bunch of these cats have gone on to the private sector where they just continue to betray us, to betray us, meaning the American worker. Uh, okay. The list includes Jay Carney. At Amazon. Went, went to Amazon. Of course, Robert Gibbs. He spent McDonald's. several years with McDonald's. David Pluff uh, served as policy chief at Uber. And of course, Valerie Jarrett being on the board at Lyft. All former Obama people, all in the business of screwing workers over. You guys know what they did with Lyft and Uber, specifically here in California, uh, refused to recognize them as full-time workers, and they crushed them with, what was it, Prop, whatever it was. Prop 22. Prop 22. Uh, that goes without saying. McDonald's clearly, been, they've been union busting for God knows how long. So obviously we know McDonald's get down, but then Tom Perez in his freaking press release said, no, I'm going to help them with policy against labor. That's my job. Yeah. It's funny. Like I'm looking at the Venable LLP website right now. And it says like, (laughs) as counsel to energy employers. Okay. Think about it. It's not just, you know, it's not just union. Like they're, they brag about their counsel for like the energy sector, which is the most evil. sector. Uh, As counsel to energy employers across the nation, we are concerned with every aspect of the employer employee relationship in the energy industry. Our decades of experience across a wide range of industries and practices, practice areas can help you control your labor costs, i.e. your, the wages that you pay actual people avoid workplace disputes and defend yourself when litigation arises. So Tom Perez, again, who, like you said, it was uh, Obama's labor secretary. I remember it was like a big deal because he was a lat- he was lit- Latinx, you know, he was Latinx. He was, Latin- he was Latinx. Um, and, you know, he was like supposedly the guy who was 
to use the Department of Labor, which is a, a very important uh, federal department, which has been totally hollow hollowed out ever since like the, the decline of unions. But it's supposed to like help settle labor disputes and, and advocate for workers. OK, this guy was Obama's labor secretary. He was then the chairman of the DNC, which, if you remember, was stole um, the job. Mm -hmm. From Keith Ellison, yeah. Yes, after sir. Obama made a couple phone calls and was like, mm -hmm. this, this is Keith Ellison. He's a socialist. We don't need him. We, we don't. We can't. We got to get my boy Tom in there. Um, <laughs> if you remember, I will never forget that. That was Obama's first political act since he left the White House, was to intervene at the DNC race to block Keith Ellison and install Tom Perez, who now is cashing in for his loyal years of service uh, on behalf, uh, carrying water for you know, the worst people on the planet. And now he's just going to get paid for it. He's just going to get paid. Like Tim Geithner got paid. Like Jay Carney got paid. Like Robert Gibbs I mean, got paid. Like all of these guys got paid. And if you I don't can't say this is a problem with Geithner that. got 600 million. It was like the month after he left. It was, it, yeah. it, it wasn't even like, like a fund that like foreclosed on, on, on regular people, like <laughs> awful evil. JP Morgan yeah. Chase, his boy, Jamie Dimon was ready with 600 million. <laughs> yeah, and if you don't see the problem with that, the the, the warped incentives that it creates mm -hmm. um, within you know people who work for our government, then I don't know what to tell you, but it's very obvious that that is that is how you know people focus on money in politics, and money in politics is a problem. Don't get me wrong; I would love to reform uh, how elections get financed, but right. really, the big problem is capitalism because the 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 people. The, the owners, the bosses, they always they have money. buy people. Yeah. And they don't have to buy them while they're in government. They just buy them right after. And that just tells the next guy, he's like, oh, shit. Jay, like, Jay Carney's making how much at Amazon? Fucking dumbass Jay Carney is making how much? Fucking dumbass Tom Perez. I mean, if you ever watched Tom Perez speak, he's like one of the stupidest <laughs> people on the planet. You know, like, he's making how much? That's a fucking law firm? Right. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking do yeah. whatever. I'm gonna do what these people ask me to do and trust that they're gonna yeah. take care of me. And they do. They never forget. Yeah, I just don't see how as a citizen you can ever trust the process ever again. Um, this guy freaking works at labor and now is being bought and paid for by people, by the most anti-labor people on the planet. It's just terrible. Anyway, that's our show for this week. I'm Big Wise Fernando. Make sure you become a Patreon at CountTheDings.com backslash CountTheDings. Excuse me, Patreon.com backslash CountTheDings. <laughs> uh, support what we do over here. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out.